Well, hello there. This is the host of the Who to Thunk It podcast, Zeb, coming to you with episode 91, simply called Bounty Hunting. This episode, I want to do a recommendation segment. We'll start off with that as always, unrelated to the main storyline. Sometimes I relate it to the actual event, the actual topic, but this time it's not really, um, just because I thought of it on the fly right before I hit record for this, but it's a good, good recommendation. Uh, I recommend you check out Arcane League of Legends on Netflix. My buddy TZ told me to check it out. And I'm glad he did. It's amazing. It's based on the video game League of Legends, but I knew nothing about the game before watching the series, and I didn't feel like I was missing out on anything at all. Like, I know I still have never touched the game, but I watched the series, and it's amazing. The animation style is sleek and delight to watch, or it's a delight to watch. The character development is very impressive, I think, for a video game ad adapted into a series. The character Jinx, she's a girl with blue hair. She's so cool, so complex, and probably, if I had to guess, most people's favorites. I didn't read anyone else's reviews. I don't. I know nothing about what everyone else says about this, which is good. I'm trying to get away from reading other people's reviews and making up my own mind. I like reading reviews after I've made up my opinion on something. There, Then reviews are good to watch, but uh, I got into this thing where I kept reading reviews on things and making up my mind whether I'd even try them or not, which I guess that's what reviews are for. But no, don't do that. Uh, so many things, uh, reviews, and a lot of critics say are crap. I love. So, Also, for Arcane League of Legends Netflix series, Imagine Dragons, you know that old band? Uh, they're still around. They actually did the soundtrack for this series. I wasn't always the biggest Imagine Dragon fans, but that's only because this the radio overplayed them that made me sick to hear them anymore however they're still a good band they really are they make some good bangers they they did the uh opening song for the series and it's titled enemy it's really cool i played it i was watching this show and shannon was getting ready for work and she was like bopping around to it and she's like what is this i said it's a cool animated thing so it's really neat um it's not anime i wouldn't say because i don't think it's created by uh created in japan so it's not anime but it is animated it is for adults it's really cool check it out now for the main event first this is bounty hunting let's talk about the history of bounty hunting i have no idea where it came from so i wanted to check it out the modern understanding of bounty hunting originated in england hundreds of years ago back in the 13th century where bale was a person bale was referred to as an actual person not an amount of money an individual was designated custodian of the accused and if the accused did not return to face his penalty the custodian could be hanged in his place. That is totally unfair by today's standards. And yes, it is hanged and not the word hung when talking about a person. So little English lesson for you. In 1679, the par uh, British Parliament passed the Habeas Corpus Act, which for the first time guaranteed that an accused person could be released from prison on monetary bail. That's for money. So you get out of prison, give us some money. The bounty... Hunter was given broad authority starting in 1873 with the U.S. Supreme Court case Taylor versus Tainter. So yeah, we started in England, now we're over in the U.S. The U.S. got a lot of their laws from England, so that's, you know, kind of transfers over there. The case gave bounty hunters the auth... This is Taylor versus Tainter in 1873. The case gave bounty hunters the authority to act as agents of bail bondsmen. Um, bounty hunters on the trail of a bail jumper could pursue him into another state and, if necessary, bring and enter his house for that purpose. Today, states have their own restrictions when it comes to bounty hunting, but most states give bounty hunters the freedom to pursue and arrest bail jumpers within and across their borders. So, 1873, that is like, I would say, 
I would say, yeah, peak cowboy, outlaw, cowboy and Indians type deal, Wild West era. So peak Wild West era, you had bounty hunters just going around. Now that bounty hunters could track people down, it was awesome. That's why you play games like Red Dead Redemption, you get hunted down by bounty hunters. Historically, bounty hunters were often stereotyped as a group of renegades. When I think of bounty hunter, I either picture something like Boba Fett from Star Wars or Lobo from the DC comics, you know, in the same comic books as like Superman and Batman, there's a character named Lobo. He's an alien bounty hunter. So cool. One of the coolest characters to come out of DC. A cosmic bounty hunter tracking down fugitives across the stars. I think of that. Or I picture a gritty rough, I pick gritty rough men on horseback with six shooters holstered to their side while the they traverse the wild American West in search of their bounty. So that's kind of what I picture, you know, the Hollywood version of a bounty hunter, usually pretty rough dudes, but real life bounty hunters weren't as glamorous. An individual or group of individuals would track wanted fugitives and collect a cash reward in return for this particular runner, dead or alive. Now, they were tough dudes, but it wasn't, you know, obviously there's no space bounty hunters that we know of and the outlaw bounty hunters they were just doing it to make a living you know in past years law enforcement did not have the resources to skip trace wanted fugitives across the thousands of miles that make up the united states as a result officials of the law put a bounty on the criminal that they wanted detained so instead of law enforcement doing it they had bounty hunters do it with increasingly high stakes growing with the danger of the outlaws these unofficial law enforcement agents soon realized that bounty hunting could become a prosperous business so they're in it for the money and they're different from cops. We'll get into all that. Since Taylor versus Tainter, that 1873 uh, case, Supreme Court case, however, new laws such as the 1966 Bail Reform Act, bail law, have changed the terms of bounty hunting. Bounty hunters are no longer allowed free reign to detain fugitives in any way they please. Now, bail enforcement agents must abide by state and local laws while seeking a deserter. And now, with over 30,000 criminals being detained by bounty hunters every year, more bail bond companies than ever are looking to hire fugitive recovery agents. So I I got this from a become a bounty hunter website. So there's a lot of like, you can do, you can do it too. Nevertheless, these bond companies will not just hire any person who wants to become a bounty hunter. The rapid return of criminal is necessary for bail companies to receive bond money. And this takes highly skilled bounty hunters. Bounty hunters, bounty hunting has become a highly specialized occupation with specific training and skills. So and a specific kind of person. I don't, it's not just anyone goes, hmm, I'm going to hunt people for a living. That's what I'm going to do legally. So that's the history. Now, what what is a bounty hunter? What do bounty hunters do? What is their life like? Bounty hunting primarily involves skip tracing and apprehending bail fugitives um, for a reward from a bail bondsman. Skip tracing, and you know, that's an interesting uh, term there and I had no idea what the heck it meant it's pretty over it's pretty simple a day in the life of bounty hunter consists of a whole lot of skip tracing a tactic used to trace a fugitive uh, fugitives who have skipped on a bail bond and is working hard to avoid the bounty hunter so they skipped bail now you have to trace them down that's where the term skip tracing means it just it just it just means doing detective work now you can probably use social media uh tracking their cards track I mean, they probably have access to all different kind of databases that allow them to track it's basically just tracking modern day tracking is skip tracing before a defendant 
has been charged with failure to appear in court. The defendant, soon to be fugitive, signed a bail bond agreement and gave a deposit. So they signed a contract and gave money. Um, that money they gave is usually on average 10% of the bond or the bail. And the bail bondsman then pays the difference for the release of the defendant until the court date. So someone's in jail. They pay a money. They're like, I want to get out of jail. I got to let's just say let's just say it's one hundred thousand dollars. And you go up, you go to the bail bondsman, like, I need to get out of jail. The jail bail bondsman's like, okay, give me 10 grand. I'll pay the rest. I'll pay 90. And then you sign this contract, meaning you will go to court. It means I get my money back. And then they don't. So a lot of time the guys are like, screw that. I gave you 10 grand instead of 100. I'm out. Good luck finding me. And the release of the defendant until the court date. If the subject fails to attend the court date, the bail bonds company will then contract a bail enforcement agent also known as bounty hunter or fugitive recovery agent, the agent is assigned to the case to skip trace, make an arrest, and return the defendant to the justice system. So that's how bail boundsmen make money. Uh, it's a rough, rough job, and you got to have people willing to be bounty hunters. Now, where do they do it? I'm mainly discussing bounty hunting in the United States, with an exception being its roots from British Parliament. So international bounty hunting, that'd be interesting. Look it up on your own. I'm talking about U.S. here. When it comes to U.S. bounty hunting, it is a national matter only. The one thing a bounty hunter in the U.S. can never do is take the hunt outside the United States. Bounty hunters can be arrested, even shot, if they stray across international borders. So make it to Mexico. You might better chance down there also places like oregon kentucky wisconsin and illinois ban the practice of bounty hunting altogether so those states are out kind of we'll get to that later because of supreme court case taylor versus tainter as we said a bounty hunter's right to recover a suspect is a federal law but let's say a bounty hunter is after a suspect that has cleverly fled to chicago a major city in illinois one of those states where i said it's illegal to conduct bounty hunting and let's say the bounty hunter ignored that state law went right into chicago try to get his man because america's laws are set up this way that bounty hunter would be arrested and put in jail because you can't bounty hunt in Illinois. He or she would eventually be set free, though, because federal law allows them to recover suspects across state lines. But at the same time, Chicago PD are allowed to enforce local law. So federal, state, and local laws have weird, blurred lines that are confusing as all hell, even to those of us who live in the, this country. You'd have to pretty much talk to a lawyer to get them to explain this to you. I can't imagine how foreign people feel <laughs> trying to decipher, wait a minute, you got federal law, state law, local, yeah, it's confusing. Um, just for example, I live in a, <laughs> oh, I'll get to that. I can't imagine how those people, a good example is cannabis. Is it legal in the U.S.? The answer is no. But also, yes, kind of depending on the state or city you're in, like federally, you can marijuana is just as bad as like heroin. You cannot you cannot smoke marijuana. You cannot have marijuana. It's illegal. It's schedule one drug federally. However, in the country's capital, Washington, D.C., you can just <laughs> it's you can smoke it recreationally. You can just <laughs> you can just smoke weed for no reason and totally fine. Walk into a weed shop, buy a joint, be like, have a nice day, sir. Yeah. So, um, so interesting. Like the city of Pittsburgh, where I'm talking from, it's decriminalized. I think if anything less than, I think it's an ounce or, which is a lot of weed. Like if you have that much, you're selling it. If you have anything less than that, it's like a $50 fine. You don't go to jail, nothing. You're good. Just a $50 fine. It's like less than most speeding tickets. So it's interesting. Is, is, is cannabis illegal in the U S? Uh, yeah, it's illegal, but also it's not. <laughs> 
other than those few places that outright ban bounty hunting, there are there's no jurisdiction for a bounty hunter. So they can shoot, they can chase you from Maine to Florida and over to California, as opposed to cops who have jurisdictions and they can't chase you all over the country. Uh, FBI can, but not most police forces. So who, uh, who are bounty hunters? And they are not the police. Well, here we'll get into this. It, I watched a video of a guy. Who was taught he's a bounty hunter and he's awesome like <laughs> dude's a bodybuilder badass dude and he was saying how the difference between bounty hunters and police in general they have greater authority to arrest than even the local police so bounty hunters have more free reign now that's a pretty substantial claim but it is true all uh the bounty hunter needs to make an arrest is a copy of the bail piece that's like paperwork indicating the person is a fugitive um and skipped bail and in some states a certified copy uh, copy of the bond he or she doesn't need a warrant they can enter private property unannounced and they don't have to read a fugitive his or her miranda rights before making the arrest so cops have to do all kind of stuff they have to do it they need a warrant signed by a judge all this stuff that being said there are rules and regulations to the job the bail bond contract gives bounty hunters the right to enter the home of a fugitive but only after establishing uh, without a doubt that the person lives there or is inside a structure they cannot enter the how they cannot enter the homes of friends or family members to look for the fugitive on a hunch they have to know that they're there they have to make you know eye contact or not eye contact they have to see them there or see them run in there bounty hunters are private operators they're like freelance workers trying to run their own businesses that business just so happens to enforce the law but they are not public servants like the police a bounty hunter has to abide by bail law and it is very different from laws that govern what the police public servants can do police have to get warned signed by judges to search your property without probable cause example of probable probable cause like hearing a person scream for help or seeing a live fire in your house or car um that's probable cause uh bounty hunter they just have to be like oh this is this car is registered to my, my person i'm trying to find i can just break in <laughs> bounty hunters have to make sure a fugitive is living in a house or owns a car to search it but they don't need a signature from a judge or or a warrant um this fact tends to surprise fugitives i watch <laughs> watch a lot of videos anytime they go into someone's house they're like hey man you ain't got no warrant you can't be in here man like what are you doing and it's like no i don't need one read this paper like calm down read this paper get out of my face i'm going to search your house <laughs> once the bail contract is signed by the defendant or co-signer a bounty hunter does not need permission to enter their home at any time three in the morning is probably best for them because people are groggy don't know what's going on remember that if you ever post bond like you're giving up a lot of rights here when the defendant signs the bail bond contract they do something very important they waive their constitutional rights they agree that they can be arrested by the bail bond agent and they waive extradition allowing bondsmen to take them to any state let's say you robbed a liquor store and you posted bail you signed the bail contract you skip your court date and are now on the run the bounty hunter can search your crib we've already established that but let's say you run into your sweet old grandma's house she doesn't have anything to do with your crimes she's just a nice cookie baking grandma but the people looking to collect your bond bounty saw you enter her home or physically see you on the premises guess what 
those big tough bounty hunters can knock down grandma's door with a sledgehammer with sledgehammers and drag your ass out of her house this applies to vehicles too and they will do it without hesitation because the longer they wait the greater chance some other bounty hunter will get you aka get the money before them these dudes see fugitives like property and the law supports that they get your ass or they don't get paid <clears throat> or they don't get paid so they're motivated dudes Another main difference between cops and bounty hunters is the training. Now, this varies state to state, but places like Ohio only require the bounty hunters have licenses. They don't require any tactical firearm training or siege training or anything like that. Once you have that license, you get out there and you start hunting people. <laughs> and you can do so to make money, to make a living. Hunting people, just a license. This can lead to unnecessary injury or death by both fugitives and bounty hunters who aren't trained properly. On the other side, police are required to grow, go through all sorts of training, and there are entire academies set up to make sure those trainings are complete, are completed before a person becomes a police officer. So uh, that's a different training there. Now, there are states like Texas and Virginia that teach bounty hunters how to properly arrest someone and how to act tactically in a dangerous situation. And those are usually helpful, really helpful. Instead of just getting a piece of paper that says you can bounty hunt, hunt people, you want to know what you're doing. Then, of course, bounty hunters aren't cops and that they aren't going to just arrest people they are that are doing crimes in front of them. Um you know, see if someone smoking crack in the street, not their problem. Their job is to arrest specific individuals that have signed bail contracts and have failed to appear in court. They can do a citizen's arrest, just like you and I, if they choose to, but they typically don't. The exception being if they're trying to collect a bounty and someone is getting in their way, committing crimes like slashing the bounty hunter's tires, for example, or committing felonies that piss off the bounty hunter, that bounty hunter knows what he can and cannot do. He's really good at knowing what a citizen's arrest allows you to do. He or she may detain that person and call the cops to come arrest them, even if that, that isn't their bounty. Like, they're not making anything off of it, but if he's pissing them off, they're like, hey, man, I know what I can do. I can just hold your ass here. It's his job to detain people. So he's probably really good at citizen's arrest. And so don't get, don't piss off a bounty hunter. He's not going to care if you're smoking weed around him. He's not going to arrest you for that. Um, don't go around. People don't, <laughs> they don't look for trouble. Uh, but also don't get in their way. Cops usually, uh, also usually are out doing their job and are tasked with arresting people they've never seen before. They have no background knowledge of them. You know, they do pull people over and they can look them up on the computer. But a lot of times cops are just flying blind, whereas bounty hunters have an entire biography of their bounty mark. They know prior arrest and living habits of the person they are there looking out to hunt. Most bounty hunters believe the job of a police officer is more dangerous than their own because of this fact. And now, that's what a, a bounty hunter is, where they're from, history, who, all that stuff. Now let's talk about some real bounty hunters through history. And I'll admit, I took these straight from a History Channel article called Five Famous Bounty Hunters. Um, so, hope you like this. I thought it was super cool. Rome's barbarian hunter, Charietto. Charietto was an ancient German headhunter and bounty hunter who worked for the Romans. And the Romans, when they talked about Germanic tribe, warring tribe people, my ancestors, they were big, they were mean, they were great warriors. And this is Charietto. He operated on the Rhine frontier near Trevorium, um, according to Z uh, Zissimus, 
Charietto saw barbarian raiders crossing the Rhine River and determined to take action. Going out into the forest at night, he could kill a number of the raiders, sever their heads, and bring them into the town come daytime. Charietto was joined by other men, and eventually their success earned him the admiration of Julian, who was commander in the region and later became the emperor, known as Julian the Apostate. Charietto was encouraged by Julian to attack the barbarian raiders at night, while Roman regular forces would confront them by day. After a long period of such activities, raiders surrendered. So he became like a bounty hunter, so in a sort of. Now, John of the Priests, moving much farther um, up in time, but still in the 1700s. In 1709, penal act, the Penal Act demanded that all Catholic priests take the oath of abjuration. The Protestants and the Catholics... Uh, wow, what a history. Anyway, 1709, the Penal Act demanded that the Catholic priests take the oath of abjuration and recognize the Protestant queen as supreme head of the Church of England in Ireland. Any cleric who refused was sentenced to death. So basically all the Catholic priests had to be like, okay, the Protestant queen, she's the supreme head of church. Basically you're asking people to agree to a different religion. Um, and if they didn't do it, sentenced to death. John Maloney uh, was arrested as a horse thief in Castlebar, Ireland in early 1700s. He was offered a choice, hang or become a priest hunter. He chose the latter. A talented rogue, John excelled at clergy hunting. What a, what a weird job. Being paid as much as 100 pounds for the capture of an archbishop or bishop. That's a lot of money back then. His favorite method of ensnaring priest was uh, to feign a deathbed confession, then pull out a concealed weapon and do for the holy man. Just fucking blow him away. Maloney was fatally stabbed in the act of killing the last remaining Catholic priest in his parish. His body was thrown into a lake by local Catholics. Jay <laughs> got, got, got what was coming to him. John's body was eventually retrieved and buried in an unconsecrated ground nearby. There is a tree uh, near the spot which local legend says has grown but never blossomed since. So that's the legend. Next on, we have a mountain man. Moving up in history again. In 1863, three Mexican national cousins, the Espinosas, went on a killing spree, murdering more than 30 English Americans in the San Luis Valley, uh, Colorado, in retaliation for relatives uh, killed in the Mexican-American War. When the authorities failed to capture these men, wanted dead or alive, they called in renowned adventurer, tracker, trapper, uh, mountain man, guide, and U.S. Army scout Tom Tobin. Uh, Thomas Tate Tobin, the mountain man. Tobin was given 15 men to assist him, uh, but went out alone instead. Upon returning, he was asked how his trip went. Tobin said to have replied, so-so, before throwing down a sack which contained the severed heads of all three Espinosas. <laughs> I got him for you, Bush. <laughs> Where's my money? So that, <laughs> that's a crazy story. Moving up a little bit more in history, uh, Patrick Floored Pat Garrett. Garrett. In November of 1880, the sheriff of Lincoln County, New Mexico, resigned, and the county appointed Pat Garrett, a man well known for his skills with a gun, as his replacement. A former saloon owner, Garrett, was charged with tracking down an old acquaintance from his barkeeping days. 21-year-old Henry McCarty had escaped from prison and was said to have murdered as many men as years he'd lived. McCarty was better known uh, as... Uh, Billy the Kid, 
New Mexico Governor Lou Wallace offered a $500 reward for the kids' capture after a bloody game of cat and mouse in which members of the kids' gang were gradually killed or arrested by Garrett. The lawman finally did for the outlaw, ambushing him in the dark and killing him with a single blast from his Sharps rifle. Garrett never received the reward as it was conditional of Billy being captured, not killed. To this day, there are some who still maintain that Billy the Kid did not die that night and that Garrett staged the whole thing so that his old friend could disappear once and for all. So Patrick Floyd, Pat Garrett, quite the cool looking character. I've got pictures of all these guys or at least artist renditions of them. Uh, so check them out. Next, we're moving up a lot more modern here. Ralph Papa Thorson. Uh, said to have apprehended more than 12,000 fugitives. Ralph Papa Thorson, life as a bounty hunter, was the basis for Steve McQueen's final film, The Hunter, in 1980. Sometimes using the somewhat eccentric method of utilizing astrological charts to locate criminals, Thorson also favored the use of non-lethal force in the form of his self-designed and built Prowler Fowler, uh, which fired buckshot filled with bean bags at assailants. So he used non-lethal force. He was killed in 1994 by a car bomb, presumed to have been placed by one of the more than 12,000 enemies he'd made during his career. This guy looks cool, and he reminded me of the the bounty hunter from the movie Rundown with the Rock. Um, not many people know about that movie, but I loved it as a kid. And he kind of looks like the the bad guy, the old guy in that. Next one, and last one here, um, Domino Harvey. Domino was born in 1969 to actor Lawrence Harvey and fashion model Pauline Stone. She was a model slash bounty hunter. Always a tomboy, Domino had an interest in martial arts and action figures, which was not shared by many of the other girls at her upper-class English boarding schools. Domino attended four such schools, being expelled from more than one for her unladylike conduct. Dropping out of education initially to pursue a career in modeling, Domino eventually found herself living in the USA. In 1993, having unsuccessfully applied to the Los Angeles Fire Department, she enrolled in a, enrolled in a short course to become a bail recovery agent or bounty hunter. Domino primarily went after drug dealers and thieves, but also tracked murderers during her time as a bounty hunter. She was incredibly good at her job and earned as much as 40 grand per year, which back in 1993, pretty good. Tragically, Domino became addicted to drugs and died of an overdose in 2005. The same year as her death, a movie that was loosely based on her life, titled Domino, starring Kira Knightley and Mickey Rourke, came out. The movie isn't remembered well or remembered much at all, but I saw it years ago and I didn't think it was too bad, so maybe you should check it out. That's all I got for my bounty hunting stuff. We've got some real life bounty hunters that existed all the way back to Roman years, all the way up to the 90s and early 2000s. Got to let you know what a bounty hunter is. Um, check out that character Lobo. I, I'm telling you, he's one of the coolest comic characters ever, and he's a bounty hunter, um, just like Boba Fett, one of the coolest Star Wars characters. Thanks for listening, Huda Thunkers. Hope you enjoyed. Tune in next week. Um, I think I'm going to do an episode on Attila the Hun and Pope Leo the First. That's a cool story, but we'll see. Maybe it'll be something different. Thanks for listening and tune in next week. See ya.